Greetings, my brothers and sisters. Sending gratitude to all of you who are joining in today to accompany us down the rabbit hole of self-exploration through plant medicines. My name is Ryan Sprague, and I'm here to tell you that your frequency is now set and tuned to explore psychedelic medicines and the impact they've made among the countless psychonauts exploring the last true frontier. Buy a ticket and take the ride with me as we get true first-hand accounts of the experiences, benefits, risks, and transformations taking place within the ever-expanding world of psychedelic medicines on this one time on Psychedelics. I imagine all of you listening have heard me refer to the idea of life itself being a psychedelic experience before. However, one of the easiest ways to turn our everyday sober realities into one that is synonymous with the essence and energy we feel within these experiences is by practicing the ancient art form of breathwork. For me, when I began this practice, it completely revolutionized not only my day-to-day life, but also my experiences with plant medicines and psychedelics alike when I included this practice into these experiences. Stopping by the show today to share his energy, wisdom, and experience with us is a gentleman who has made it his life's mission to be the change that the world of masculinity is so desperately craving right now through his Masculine Mastery platform, where he leads men in reconnecting with their authentic selves and power through workshops, retreats, masterminds, and immersions, along with the podcast he has created to continue reaching the world of men at large. Along with this, he is also an extremely skilled breathwork practitioner that has co-created his very own breathwork practice called Sonic Breathwork that is designed to guide his clients into feeling more alive, connected, and free. In doing so, he has paired his love for music and breathwork together in his Beats and Breath endeavor that is designed to provide a full somatic experience that allows for rapid processing and healing in the minds, bodies, and spirits of those he serves. And if all of that wasn't enough, he is also a very skilled speaker. And in this episode, we will be exploring his call to enter the psychedelic space, his views on breathwork as a tool to enter the psychedelic space without any medicines needed, what his tips are for men out there who are looking to maximize their potential with these medicines, and much, much more. So please, give me a big hand in welcoming my man, Christopher August, to the show. Chris, my dude, so good to have you here with me today. What's up, my brother? We are full on today. Dude, full on, man. We just recorded Highly Optimized for the listeners that are tuning in before this. We rocked that. Chris and I have shared a lot of time together recently. It's been amazing. We just hosted the Cultivate Your Future workshop last night where we combined cannabis and breathwork together. And for everyone listening, if you're looking to see any upcoming dates, we'll be having those coming soon. I think this episode will be out in about mm, three weeks from when we're recording. So that'll be uh, really relevant. And uh, man, you know, I'm super excited to have you here, man, because of course, I know that you're in the psychedelic realm uh, as well. And, you know, that you're obviously doing breath work and things that are kind of like these natural psychedelics. And I'm curious to know, like, what originally got you into the idea of interacting with psychedelics? Because we know they're not for everyone, but for the people that do feel the call and answer that call, there's something unique about that. And I'd love to dive into what that uniqueness is for you. Mm. First of all, I appreciate uh, the time, the space to to sit down right now with you, man. It's always uh, always good, and I'm really excited to dive into wherever this energy and this conversation decides to flow today. And yeah, you know, my first experience with psychedelics, and we'll include cannabis in this conversation because it is, and yes. you know, that was my first experience on psychedelics was using cannabis. Now, um, my experience, like I'm sure many people and, and many kids, especially I think in our generation, I'm 35 now. So in the, in the nineties was for me at 13, 14 years old. Uh, diving into my brother's or my, my friend's brother's stash, you know, and finding, <laughs> finding the weed and going home from school and going into the garage. And I think I talked about this on something I think we talked about on my podcast was, you know, doing, doing elevators in the garage and smoking bongs and just, just exploring, I guess, at that point and being kids. And, you know, that those experiences were great um, in many ways, but 
over time you realize like, okay, this is like way too much or sometimes you don't. And some people get even further down the rabbit hole into other different types of substances and all of that. Luckily that didn't happen for me, but that was my introduction to it. So it was very unconscious, right? It was just like being a teenager. This is what kids are doing, that sort of stuff. I like the way it made me feel. So I'm going to keep doing it. But now obviously the relationship that I have with it now many years later, which has changed drastically. But yeah, that was my first introduction and and have had an interesting relationship um, since then really with cannabis and other different uh, medicines. Yeah, it's amazing, dude. You know, I think that for many people, I, I would say, I would argue to say most people, they did start with cannabis. And for me, you know, it's actually funny. I'm going on a show this week called My First Time. Mm -hmm. We're essentially going to dive into your first time with cannabis. My first experience ever was on a rooftop when I was 14. It was like the, actually the most hilarious story because this is like the classic idea of peer pressure, but it wasn't really like I, feel pure, I, I felt peer pressured from it. It was just like everyone was doing it. They were kind of like smoking and I knew I wasn't gonna, but I knew they were also gonna like, come on, like do it. So I was just like, all right. And I did the Bill Clinton. I just didn't inhale, you know? And so, <laughs> so the first time that I really actually did it was actually at a party and uh, my buddy had taken a lightsaber you know, the ones that you throw like this and they come out in like the sections yeah, yeah. and he had taken all the sections off. This guy's so crafty still to this day. My buddy, Danny, he's the best, one of my oldest friends. And he had taken all the sections out except the first one, drilled a hole in it and put a bowl into it. So it was a steamroller, but you could light it up, you know? So it'd be nice. like, oh, it's time to go to the dark side. Let's go. And so he put this bowl in there. And I remember I was at a party at my friend's house, whose dad was a state trooper as well, which was very interesting. We always partied there. And so I had already had some beers and uh, probably about like three or four beers or something. And I was always a lightweight with alcohol because it just didn't agree with me. They're like, oh, we're going to smoke. You want to come? I'm like, sure. Because I had tried it like, you know, a couple times, like hits here and there. And it just didn't really hit me. So I just felt like I'm impervious to this. Of course, I can take a hit from this. What's this going to do to me? I can do it. You know, the typical egotistical 16-year-old view. I took these three huge rips off the steamroller, went inside. And then the next thing I remember, all of a sudden, I just come to in the middle of a conversation with someone on a couch. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck's happening? I was like, how did I get here? Where have I been? Am I high right now? Because I had no logical understanding of how the fuck I just ended up on this couch when the last thing I remember was taking the hits off the steamroller outside. And then I had certain amounts of the night start coming back to me where I remembered like just little instances of me like, you know, walking through a door or like things like that. And I remember being perplexed and just like sitting on that couch being like, well, I don't want to black out or something. I had no idea what was happening. And then, of course, being 16 and your friends being goofy, they coffined me with a couch that night. Do you understand what it, do you know what a coffin is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where they put a couch on top of the couch you're sleeping on. So yeah. when you wake up, you're like, ah, it didn't really freak me out because I wasn't high after that. You know, I woke up in the morning, but I remember I was very curious after that. And I also had a lot of respect for it after that because I realized like, oh, this isn't like alcohol where it's like a pretty normal effect for each person, like one beer is going to affect everyone very similar. I realized in my infantile stage there being 16, that there was like things going on that I didn't understand. Mm. So from then it would be like, I would take one hit and then like run inside and sit on the couch as fast as possible. And it took me a while to do that. But it's amazing hearing your stories about the elevators and things like that, because it really brings back those times. And, you know, it's really cool. You know, I think that part of the fun back then was like, how are we going to find the weed? You know, are we going to be able to do it? That was the best part. That's the yeah, best part. Yeah, it was, it was an adventure. And now kids just have vape pens with, you know, extremely strong oil in it. They don't know that like struggle slash like fun challenge of like, are we even going to be able to find it? Is it going to be oregano when someone sells it to us, right? Like these kind of things. So it's cool hearing those stories, man. It brings a lot back for me. <laughs> yeah, no, those are those were those days. And I say it like I'm like it's from the 70s. But even yeah. just then, like because even then there wasn't I didn't have a cell phone. There wasn't any of those other distractions happening. It was like you're literally just a kid in the moment, you know, enjoying this experience together and whether again, it was unconscious or conscious, like that's what kind of shaped things for me moving forward is like, okay, well, this is interesting. I want to know more. And now of course, getting to where I am now with my relationship to all psychedelics, it's, it's changed drastically. So yeah, it's always those, those starting moments, which really lay the foundation and also are, are fun to reflect on. Yeah, man, it's so cool. And you know, one of the things I love moving into, you know, when we talk about this kind of stuff is like, what was the first experience you had that really shifted something for you? It could have been with cannabis, could have been with something else. But do you remember one distinct time 
that you sat with a certain medicine and you probably wouldn't describe it as sitting with it back then. Right. It's just like you smoked weed or whatever, but like what experience really showed you kind of like the one I was telling where it was like, Oh, something is very ununderstandable here and understandable. If that's a word, uh, like, you know, there's something here that's beyond my current scope of reality. And that got me really curious. Was there something like that, like a pivotal moment for you in which you realized like, Whoa, there is something here. Hey, hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you all know that the doors are officially open for the Conscious Cannabis Collective. And as such, this is the last week you can sign up and receive all of the bonuses we're currently including. This is the last time I will be personally onboarding those of you who sign up with a complimentary one-on-one session, and you'll have the ability to get the Grow With Cannabis course for free during this limited time. For more info on how you can take advantage of this offer, Head down to the show notes for this episode and secure your spot today, as we only have so many spots left and they are filling up quickly. Now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to recall like the first time, but like from a medicine standpoint, you know, I've I've gone on ayahuasca journeys, I've sat with mushrooms. Surprisingly enough, I've never done LSD. Mm, I've never, never, never dove into LSD, which is an interesting thing and something I've always contemplated as well. But yeah, it's one psychedelic I haven't done. Actually, my first like big psychedelic wasn't even mushrooms. It was ayahuasca ceremony in Ecuador and sitting in the, just the Maloka and in this beautiful space in the middle of the Ecuadorian Amazon jungle. And that was my first and real intense psychedelic experience. You could go from cannabis and using that every so often as I was doing to an intense experience like that, you know, it really like, Whoa, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) And that's a whole beautiful story in itself. So yeah, I think from that experience, Really before that, I was having some really profound interactions with cannabis because that was in 2016 when I sat with Aya for the first time in Ecuador. But even the year before that, I started using cannabis in a little bit different of a way. There started to have been, you know, a little bit more intention behind it. And that's really when I started to tap into this sort of layer that's always been there, but I didn't know was there in regards to um, what we discussed even on my podcast was like, you know, the realms of understanding yourself from uh, intuitive and very creative being and really understanding those layers of of awareness and, and being, and, and there was something really powerful there. And like, I wouldn't say it was like a moment where it shifted, but that just started to really come on strong then. And then, mm. you know, since then it's only been enhanced and, and why I have deep reverence for the cannabis plant because of, of really the power that it holds to elevate you to certain realms and also bring you to places where you need to look at. 100%. I think we were talking about before we hit record that healing can be light mm-hmm. and what I've found, and it can be fun too. And what I found with, you know, stronger medicines like psilocybin or LSD or even like peyote or 5-MeO-DMT is that there can be laughter, there can be things that happen, but generally there's a sense of not heaviness, that would be the wrong word, but like intensity, I would say is the word. 100%. Whereas with cannabis, you know, it's able to be used a little more frequently, right? Like, and, and so like for most people that do use cannabis, they kind of understand the plant. They've used it enough to kind of understand like their way around it, how much to intake, how long it's gonna last, et cetera. And so I think like, The reason I'm so big on cannabis, and I imagine you can agree with this, is because in our modern day world, not many of us have the opportunity to go take a week off and go to Ecuador and these kind of things, right? Like some of us do, like I'm lucky, I'm fortunate enough to, you're fortunate enough to, but for some people listening, they might have four kids, they might be working a nine to five, you know, so cannabis has this ability to be able with a reimagination, you know, of how this plant works and what it is by adding intention, these kind of things to be able to give people this, you know, grandiose experience while they're able to still cook dinner, they're able to still put their kids to bed, they're able to still do their laundry, they're able to still wake wake up on time for work, usually after an amazing night of sleep. So like, there are these kind of things where it's almost like, that's why I called the people's plant, because it works with people. It doesn't necessarily need people to come out of their daily life routine in order to be a very powerful medicine. And the other thing too, is that You know, it's kind of like the ultimate expression of how minimum effective dosing goes a long way. You know, cannabis, 
the reason that most people that I talk to about it in the way that I talk about it are like, what cannabis? Because it's a lighter quote unquote experience. Now, of course, if you eat a strong edible or you're a new user, yes, it's going to be stronger. But for most people that have been using it for a while, they just think they have cannabis figured out. But uh-huh. how I always say it is that like cannabis is a shyer spirit where you eat five grams of mushrooms. Well, if you're ready, you're not. That's taking you right. Mm-hmm. But with cannabis, unless you make a really grave error of like eating a three or 400 milligram edible or something like that, chances are it's going to be a pretty light experience. If you're inhaling it, it's probably going to be over in an hour and a half, at least like out of like the woods in an hour and a half. If you take too much or a psilocybin, these other things, you're going to be in that territory for a lot longer. And so I think for a lot of people, they're just not aware that cannabis can work in this way. But what I always say is that like, hey, cannabis is the plant that you can integrate on the go, right? You can get the download that like, oh, I'm going to sign up for paint classes. I want to sign up for paint class. And you can hop on your phone and sign up right then and take action on it. And I think for a lot of people having these grandiose experiences, first of all, many of the plants are still illegal and stigmatized. Cannabis is pretty widely accepted these days, right? Like most of the country has, I think I was checking recently, I think it's like 35 states uh, or more have medical now. And I, I think it's like over 25 that have legalization. So if you tell people you interact with cannabis, they're not like, oh my God, you're doing what? But if you tell them about ayahuasca, they're still like, oh my God. I mean, after Aaron Rodgers went on Aubrey Marcus, I think that kind of like blew the lid on ayahuasca a little bit. But, you know, we're in a really cool time where cannabis is everywhere. It's able to be worked with in this way. And it's kind of just missing that user manual. And so I'm glad that we're talking about cannabis. And you know, I've been talking about cannabis in a lot of episodes recently because I'm really passionate about it. And it's so powerful. It just takes a little bit of reimagination because cannabis is a shyer spirit to show it like, yeah, okay, you can show me that other stuff now. I understand how to work with you. Yep. And then she's like, okay, cool. And I found that cannabis out of all the medicines I've worked with, you know, and I haven't sat with ayahuasca yet, so I'm not sure about that. But out of all the medicines I've worked with, it seems like the spirit that's like the most excited to help me, you know, the most excited to be in a co-communicative and co-creative relationship. And I think that's really cool as well. I couldn't agree more with that. And actually I found that the, out of the different medicines I have tried, you know, even smoking DMT, which I didn't mention before, like all of these things, I'm glad I've had the experiences, but at the end of the day, if none of those existed, like in cannabis did, like that would be, I'd be fine with that because cannabis does resonate with me the most from a frequency standpoint. I'm, I'm able to work with it in a really beautiful way that, you know, there's other medicine, you know, I'm really, I'm such a grounded and rooted person. I'm such an earthy person. And some of those medicines are just like too fucking much for me, man. They're just like yeah. too intense. Like, and I understand a lot of people like the intensity, but I think there's also, there's interesting thing within the spiritual and healing communities. Like how fucking intense can I go? How, yeah, how deep can I contest. go? You know? And it's like, and these plants are there for a reason. They should be fucking respected and they should be absolutely, you know, honored because of what they can do. You know, they are, they can be fucking life altering. And I've had some pretty crazy experiences. Um, all of which have been perfect to put me to where I am today. So I'm grateful for them. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I were just to, you know, come home to one plant medicine, one ally, it's cannabis all day, 100% for me. What is up, everybody? I hope you were all enjoying the show. And I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, 
design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever. Yeah, you know what I think is cool too? And like Ramdas says, be here now. Of course, like with 5MEO DMT, you get the experience of unionizing with everything, yeah. right? And you essentially go back home, right? Essentially, you die before you die is what I experienced. And that's fantastic. But that kind of removes you from the experience of being here now. Yep. Whereas cannabis, not only can you do things like lead a workshop on it, try eating a gram of mushrooms and leading a workshop coherently. It just, it's kind of goofy, right? But at the same time, the first thing I do when I want, when I interact with cannabis is want to go for a walk in nature. And I want to just be one with nature. In this 3D world that we're in, nature, aka the earth, is our God in this realm. And so the more we can commune with nature, the more we understand God. And the more we understand God, the more we understand ourselves. And so I think there's like this connection there where like cannabis just, it really comes back to being the people's plant. It comes back to being like the light, the, the human experience plant as I've seen it. And there's no diss on these other medicines. I've had beautiful experiences, but Old Faithful for me is cannabis. It's the one that I can use weekly and connect with weekly to be able to go, okay, cannabis, I still want to be fully here with my feet on the ground. But there's something just out of my awareness. There's something that I messed up this week on. I took too seriously. I got triggered, whatever. Illuminate what's just out of my realm of consciousness. you know. And then I can get that download and then integrate it and then move forward. You know, The next week in my period of sobriety, because I normally only use cannabis on weekends unless we're doing a workshop on a weekday. But you know, with mushrooms or things like that, I have to you know, designate a lot of time. I have to have a very private space. And there's just like more more setup necessary. And also like, you know, you're going farther out. So there's more integration necessary. And so for me, I love my life. I run a business. I have podcasts, right? So like, I want to be here. And so cannabis is why that's why it's old faithful for me because, you know, I'm able to still be fully myself, but be able to essentially have my cake, eat it too. And the cake is gluten-free all in one. <laughs> Perfect. And yeah. I, and I, and I feel that, and that's why I also enjoy it. So for the same reasons, as you mentioned, you know, and I'm just, you know, for, for me, it's like, I just become so much more present. It just really, it really anchors me into presence. And, you know, I, I am a proponent and a fan of, of microdosing uh, mushrooms. I, I do, mm. um, and have had several different protocols with that and that have been really beautiful for my mood and creativity and all of that. So I really have reverence for that way of working with mushrooms as well, really powerful. So, you know, and to each his own, everybody's going to resonate differently with different things. But I think the stronger you get with those other medicines, yeah, it kind of slingshots you out pretty far. And a lot of times people don't integrate it and then they're kind of fucked up even more from it because they don't know <laughs> what came up. And it's just, you know, and that's the whole thing missing. And that's a whole nother conversation from the realm of psychedelics. It's like everybody wants to be a psychedelic practitioner, fucking provide the experience and hold space and that's even questionable at times. If I'm just being honest, there's a lot of people that are trying to do this, but you are really not a hold space, especially for these types of psychedelics. But the, the other biggest thing is the integration. And it's just like, that's so lacking in so many ways and probably equally as important as the experience itself, if not more. So that was a little tangent, but you know, and that's what the cannabis is that you can kind of go in and come out and you're not really having, you know, you're, you're conscious of the experience and you're really able to integrate it all in once. And I find that it bleeds over even to my sober life of how I'm able to work with the plant. So yeah, it's just, it just, just is. It's, uh, and I'm glad we resonate on that level together. <laughs> yeah, dude, game recognized game. And I think that I see the intent of people that want to go out and facilitate these things. You know, I think that their places come from good intention, mm -hmm. you know, but I think what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, yes, you might go have a positive experience and in your naivety think, oh, well, I had a positive experience. Maybe I picked up a couple things. I can lead this. But there's a reason why people go through years of training. There's a reason why I've gone through years of training, both on the scientific end and also the spiritual end and also the facilitation end to be able to do what I do with simply cannabis. You know, that's the medicine I've focused on the most in terms of facilitating. And that's why I have the program and everything. But I think that a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, I went to Burning Man and I did 5-MeO DMT and now I'm a 5-MeO DMT practitioner, especially working with a medicine like that, which is such a rocket ship. I mean, you have no idea what that might trigger in someone. 
And if you're not aware of all the possibilities and how to bring someone back, then they can end up disintegrated. And that's when like you come back and things just kind of feel weird. And the process of integration is really where you actually start applying what you learned in the experience into your everyday life. So cool, you had the experience. What does it mean for you and how you're going to take action on becoming this version of yourself that you saw or taking action on these downloads you got? You know, I think that's kind of like, mm. it is the work of the psychedelic experience. Mm. You know, it's almost like we were talking about before, I think in Highly Optimized, how with breath work or even with cannabis, we have this transition from like when we're unconsciously using or when we're younger, we're interacting with the plant to get an effect. And the effect is the thing. But when we start to become more conscious and we start to become more aware, we can go from the effect being the thing to actually a third level, which is like what comes forth as a result of the effect. And I think that like a lot of people don't realize that that result is actually like kind of part of the integration process, right? It's like, okay, what is that result I got? Well, that's the download, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the insight, the awareness. Now I have to integrate that. So it's actually like a four-step process. It's like interact with the plant, feel the effect feel the result of the effect and then integrate the result. And I think for a lot of people, they're still just feeling the effect and then like trying to integrate either from that point of view or not integrating at all. Mm. And I think that's where a slippery slope happens because every time you're disintegrating and changing your lease on reality, there's like a big gamble there. And that's one of the big reasons I made this podcast is because I know with anything that's demonized for so long, that then all of a sudden becomes popular and not just popular, but like a lot of, you know, famous people like Aaron Rodgers and Gwyneth Paltrow and all these people are coming out and saying how amazing these things are because they are, but also like, you know, I think a lot of the time people might not realize that like people like Aaron Rodgers or Gwyneth Paltrow, they went through this with a facilitator, right? They had like a process they went through. And I think that like one of the reasons I made this show was to be able to showcase like, hey, this is the reason why a facilitator is a really good opportunity to be able to actually get the gem from these experiences. Does it mean that every single experience needs a facilitator and you always need to do it that way? No. But if so, if you're going to do it without it, well, be prepared, at least understand what might happen. And that's, again, why I always come back to cannabis. Because I think out of all the plant medicines, you know, the world needs healing right now. And cannabis and other plant medicines can help us, could help us. But at the same time, I think that cannabis is the one plant that I found that is the most easily able to be done without a facilitator. Mm -hmm. You know, like you might need it your first three to five times, but then you kind of get the idea of it, right? And you can start mm -hmm. working with it. You understand your dose. You understand you don't need to go that deep and you can start doing your own healing work. And I think that in order for the world to heal, it's going to take individuals taking ownership over their healing process. And I think cannabis and other plant medicines and facilitated, you know, ceremonies can be that help that a lot of people need. Because let's face it, if the doomsday calculators are right and what people are saying is accurate, we don't have the most time for people to spend a lot of time meditating or spend a lot of time in spiritual doctrines. Right now, we kind of need this like quick awakening and psychedelics can be one of the ways there. They're not the only way and they're not the necessary way, but they can be another tool in the toolkit that helps people start to go, okay, I just had a huge pattern interrupt, but if they don't have that integration, well, then it's just going to be essentially this experience that then they end up thinking they need more of the medicine to get that experience again. And they end up mistaking the medicine for the actual gem when it's really like what you do with that experience, that is the true gem as I see it. For sure. Absolutely. And I, and I did, that is another reason to love cannabis is because of, yeah, being able to, and especially just using your guides and all of that, you know, and if anybody mm -hmm. hasn't downloaded that, definitely check that out just as a way to use it consciously. So, you know, it's just something that I think is really important. So yeah, I think with that and then, yeah, just to kind of piggyback off what you said before, before we kind of shift and move on is, you know, in regards to the facilitation component of it, you know, whether you're doing it under the guidance of a facilitator or you want to facilitate yourself, you know, it's like just using your discernment and also, you know, being an apprentice to the the plant, to whatever it is that you're working with and knowing that that has a consciousness and allowing that to guide you deeper into, yeah, that process, if that is what you want, because that's like the true being true integrity with the medicine itself um, mm. and having that experience to be able to then also coach people through things that perhaps have really stirred up a lot of trauma or something that, you know, they've experienced within the medicine. And so again, why you should also find a facilitator that really is integrity with it. And, and you can feel that as well. So yeah, I think that's really important to mention, but yeah, again, back to the cannabis, <laughs> easiest way in for sure. Yeah. And it's so much fun to cultivate too. There's so many things like I have friends, really good friends 
that are amazing growers that do not even interact with cannabis. Like wow. they just love communing with the plant. I have a buddy, Quinn, who was on Highly Optimized a few weeks back. You know, he's one of my good buddies that I met actually through a really funny story. I was at a music festival and I think New Hampshire, Maine, one or the other. And I was on a certain substance and that substance hit me pretty hard. So I was hanging out, just kind of watching the fire spinners next to the main stage. And I saw this guy who like was doing break dancing with poi that was on fire. And it was like the sickest thing I've ever seen. Like it was just so fucking cool. And I remember thinking like, wow. And then I ended up going to an organic, I always forget the name of this. It was like a science of organic regenerative agriculture for cannabis conference up wow. in Maine had a bunch of cool people there. Elaine Ingham, who's like the soil science master, Suzanne Wainwright Evans, aka the bug lady. She's really good at identifying different bugs in your plants. Uh, Leighton Morrison, Kevin Jodry, who's like an OG Humboldt County grower. Stephen Raisner, who's like the aquaponics god. So like me and my buddy Adam, we go up there. You know, I was nerding out because of course that's my realm. That's my like love more than anything is organic soil science. And so we're nerding out. And there's a lot of break going on and stuff like that. So like we're meeting with people and talking and networking. And I start talking to this guy and I'm like, dude, this guy looks familiar. So we're chatting and, you know, he's just chopping it up with me. We're chatting about like, you know, how he's like, yeah, I don't really interact with cannabis, but I grow it. And I'm like, dude, you know, you look really familiar. And he was like, oh, you know, I was like, what else do you do? And he was like, well, I go to music festivals and I fire spin a lot. And I was like, dude, do you break dance and do poi? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, bro. Thank you so much for that experience. You almost saved my life, basically giving me something to focus on when I was like way too out of it. It was so cool. So it's like funny how those things happen. But Quinn, he does not interact with cannabis. He used to, but it just, you know, stopped agreeing with him after a while. You know, essentially he just got the message and hung off the phone, but he grows some high quality cannabis and is a legal, essentially grower for the state of Maine and wow. sells the dispensaries. And so it's really cool, you know, how like cannabis is the ultimate networking and connection medicine too. And I think that's something we didn't even go into yet is how like, if like we were talking about in the other episode, if the real problem in society right now, more than anything, as I see it personally, is a lack of connection epidemic, well, then cannabis is this, has this ability to connect people, right? Like if you know how to use it in the right way, 100%. you won't just get sucked into a scroll hole and get scrolliosis going through Instagram. You'll actually have someone there that can help you get out of that. And that's part of the, what we do in the program with the last module is like, we call it the can jam module. So how are you going to interact with cannabis in a group scenario and make sure that people don't end up on their phones more disconnected than they were before they interacted with cannabis? Again, it's not the end all be all. It's not the only solution, but again, you know, it's like, it's one of the solutions, right? It's one potential solution. And so there's so many things we can get into, but one of the things I'm curious on for you is, you know, having not done ayahuasca myself, and I'm actually going this January, February to sit with Hamilton, uh, Hamilton Sother down in Blue Morpho, to have my first experience, but I'm really curious what that experience was like for you, uh, knowing you've gone through, what was it like? Well, I've, I've done four ceremonies now, so I'm mm. four ceremonies in and I've, they've been spread out since 2016. My last one being in 2021 and each of them have offered their own experiences in themselves. And the one in 2016, my partner and I, she and I, after we got married, we ended up going down and, and backpacking through South America and connected with some people. And my in the last episode, um, and highly optimized, I was talking about my Peace Corps experience. So when you're in the Peace Corps, you kind of have like a network of people that you connect with that you're like, Hey, like I'm in this part of the world. Are you working over here? And they'll connect you and like to the backwoods, you get off the tourist trails and she's like, yeah. And so we went to Ecuador, connected with this girl. She's like, yeah, you want to come and hang out with my shaman down in Puyo, Ecuador in the jungle. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I was calling in an ayahuasca experience actually. And so, you know, you get there and it's a real authentic experience. All the women from the grandmas, to the mamas, they're all cooking the ayahuasca, sitting together, singing and uh, prayer and all of that. And then we're together with three generations of shaman, a 90 year old, a 50 year old, and then his son, who's apprenticing, who's 16. They're taking us around the land, showing us the plans. And then, you know, we're sitting in the Maloka at night with just the embers. It's me, Sarah, and this, this girl and her friend. So four of us sitting with three different shamans in this incredible Maloka in the middle of the Amazon. And so that was like the most authentic experience and something that I'll never forget. That experience in itself took me to many different places. One, which would be a whole episode in itself, um, but really did a lot of healing around my father and, you know, really empathizing with him as a child and some of the things he went through as I was taken directly into some of the 
very abusive situations he was in that he's always talked about, but I was actually, I actually became him and experienced those situations. So it was like a very, Aya has a really powerful way of putting you where you need to be very quickly and it doesn't fuck around. And, and that's why I say enter with caution with this stuff. Cause it's, if you're not ready for it, she'll fucking sit you down and she'll, she'll put you where you need to be. And it's, it's intense at times, you know, lots of crying, lots of purging. So that was my first experience. I'm not going to go through every one of them, but basically my experiences have been different every time. My last experience, which I will highlight, was interesting. It was a double ceremony, Friday and Saturday. Friday was a very blissful, connected to everybody. Like I could melt with fucking everybody in the room type of type of situation. Very, very blissful. It was like the feeling all-encompassing, unconditional love at once, which was like, wow, I've never had ayahuasca in this light. This is powerful. The second night was the shadow and she had made the medicine very strong. And she actually said an integration next to say, I, I, it was a woman shaman, this woman from, from Peru. And she runs a women's temple there that does ayahuasca, very powerful. Usually it's male facilitators, really powerful from a woman to come in and facilitate this experience. And, um, you know, this experience for me was really fucking intense. And honestly, I didn't. And that's why I'm so passionate about integration is because I didn't have the integration I needed for that. I didn't, I didn't have the space. We, the next day for three hours, people sharing their experiences. That wasn't enough. I needed like a fucking therapist after because I did have uh, an experience where I, fucking lost control. And it, I see it now for what it was and the work that I was doing because collectively we're working in the higher mind. And so I'm transmuting shadows for multiple people in there. I mean, you had people come up the next day crying based on what I was experiencing, but I went through a very, very deep shadow process and it brought up a lot in me. And, and, you know, there was a, there was a lot there that uh, I wish I would have been able to integrate, which now I have, but um, yeah. So you know, ayahuasca, I think I'm good right now. Like, unless she call, like, I'll just listen to the call if it happens. Like, I'll trust the, the call, but like, right now I'm good on, on those sort of psychedelics. They're, I've received a lot and I've received what I need for this moment. So I'm not discounting or counting it out, but that's where I'm at. That's where I am right now. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I potted with Josh, uh, Trent, which is going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. He had a really challenging experience with ayahuasca, so much so that he was like, I will never uh, interact with ayahuasca again. Like he was seeing some really fucked up shit. He was seeing like his newborn son with like his head cut off, crazy shit, like just like stuff that you would never want to see, especially as a father. Part of the thing was too that the place he had went, which I'm not going to name, uh, they were recently, I'm not going to say in the news, but recently there's been some things brought up about this center. But anyway, it was a very big group very big which right off the bat that for me is a red flag because Huge red flag yeah it's like paul talks about this a lot you know i think something people don't understand about these big ceremonies is that you're opening yourself up around other people that you don't know where they are who they yeah. are where they come from and people might have the best of intentions but there are negative entities and these yep. negative entities when you're fully open it's like if you leave a safe open in the middle of like a city someone's going to come and take your money Right. But if you have that safe stored away in your house, well, then unless your house gets broken into and they somehow get into the safe, they're not going to be able to get your money. So I think for a lot of people, they don't understand that, like when you're in these big ceremonies with like, I think it was like 50 people in there. Oh, my God. I mean, it's that's, almost like a given. It's neglect. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's like a given that you're going to pick up something and go home with an unwanted visitor, because especially for those of us listening who are healthy, who prioritize health who, you know, sleep well, that work out, you know, a negative entity wants to get into a healthy body to go experience life again. And so I think for a lot of the, you know, people there, they're just unaware of these kind of things. And, you know, that was something that happened to Josh. He talks about it in the episodes. I'm not saying anything that he wouldn't say, but yeah, it was a really, you know, challenging experience for him so much mm. that he was like, I'm, I'm done with that. I don't want to do that again. And I think that's one of the other reasons that I made the show is because I want people to be able to have I wouldn't say a positive experience because positive entails the idea of good and bad. But what I would say is an experience that they come out of seeing happening for them, even if it was challenging. And it mm -hmm. sounds like you were able to get that support later on to be able to reflect back and see that happening for you. But again, you've done a lot of work and you continue to do a lot of work on yourself. For a lot of people going to these, this is like their intro to doing work. Imagine not having any of the tools that you have and then being faced with that kind of situation where you don't have people in your life that could bring you back. You don't have people that could take these negative entities out of you. 
you know, maybe you're not even aware that negative entities are things. So for years, you're just going around wondering why the hell you're so depressed or anxious or whatever after. Yeah. You know, I think this is the dark side of the psychedelic industry that people don't understand. And it's not the plants themselves, right? Like that's the one thing I want to make sure I say it's not the plants. It's the containers in which they're held, the expertise of the people they're holding the container and the safety that's created. And I think that's one of the things that once again, I mean, is why I'm so big on cannabis, you know, but I won't go back into cannabis and I already talked plenty about it, guys. But, you know, what I will say is that discernment is a superpower in today's world. I mean, Huge. it's a superpower to have as a human uh, period. But I think in today's world with so many advertisements coming in, so many people saying, you know, this worked for me, do this, right? And so much externalization of power, how we actually take that back is by learning how to use discernment, right? So, hey, this worked for Chris. That sounds awesome. I trust Chris, but also let me check in and see if this resonates with me right now. Mm. You know, and I think that like, that's one of the quickest ways for anyone listening. If you want to take something away from this episode that you can start enacting right now with no psychedelics needed, start practicing discernment. So it could be as simple as like when your friend says, let's go get pizza, right? Tune in and go, does pizza feel right for me right now? And there's ways you can do this too with communicating with your soul. And actually there's a way that I kind of combine this with something called brain integration. And I was just doing an appointment with this uh, practitioner yesterday for brain integration, where she was essentially saying, and this is like based on kinesiology, muscle testing, things mm -hmm. like that. But basically what she says is like, so for instance, if you have something like cacao, right? Like you have cacao and you want to know like, okay, logically, I like the taste of cacao. I like the potential benefits of it, but is it right for me today in this moment? What you can do is you can take the cacao in your non-dominant hand. So for me, it'd be a righty because I'm a lefty. So oh, you take it too. in your right hand. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah, man. Lefties for the win. I'll tell you a funny story about lefties after. You hold it right on your navel, right in front of your belly button. And you're standing up when you do this. And like you just tune in. And if you start to fall forward, that means yes. And then if you start to fall back, that means no. So if you get a yes, if you get a no, you're kind of done, right? Like you can either choose to interact with it. It probably won't cause any serious issues, but it's just not what your body's craving at that point. If you get a yes, that means, okay, you know, my body wants it, but then you got to ask, can I actually absorb it? So then what you do is you hold it to your left ear and then you do the same test. And so those two things are ways you can start communicating with your soul. You can also just start asking your soul questions and see which way you fall. Mm. So you could say like, soul, is this a good day to do a podcast? And then just, you know, start testing it. And so, you know, it's this idea of like discernment, right? And discernment comes from deep within. It's not something that's based on logic most of the time. Sometimes you can just logically say, no, it's not for me. Like for me, skydiving, I don't need to use my soul for that. That's just not for me. <laughs> not at this point in my life anyway. But I think there's some deeper things that, you know, maybe you've had a lot, maybe you're in a depressed state and you have a friend who's like went to an ayahuasca ceremony and they're like, oh my goodness, it was amazing. It was grandiose. Everything's fixed, right? And so you're like, oh my God, I really want that. Well, how do you know if that's the thing that's going to fix you or if there's something better uh, that you can do at that time to help you? And maybe in the future, that thing will be right for you, right? So I think that like these kind of things are something I'm really you know passionate about. And, and a quick note about lefties, when I worked at the dispensary, we found out that like 95% of the people that worked there, which was a pretty big team, it was like 35 people there were lefties. So I have no idea what that means because lefties are like kind of like not that popular in society as compared to righties. And so it was really interesting. So I wanted to bring that up, but it's fascinating, man, this discernment thing. And then the 100%. lefty thing, I have no idea what that's about, but <laughs> <laughs> figured I'd mention it. <laughs> oh, well, I mean... Yeah, it's very interesting because, yeah, I think it's like a three or 5% of the population too. It's like something really small, but maybe it's a little yeah. bit more than that. But regardless, yeah, the discernment thing's <laughs> huge, you know, and I think the biggest thing too is like, that story you were sharing about, and I'm so glad you mentioned, it's like, like, let's not look at the plants. Let's look, let's look at the plants in a neutral way because they're neutral. They're, you know, this isn't where it's our judgment on them that it, that place is the good or bad or positive or negative, whatever. But yes, it is the containers. And, you know, there's, I have a deep reverence for people that can hold space properly and understand the, the art of space holding and something that I've been exploring for years, having, you know, being a coach and being a guide and, and hosting workshops and all these different experiences. Like I'm still sharpening my skill, you know, and I always tell people what sharpened my skill the most, uh, is my three-year-old. You want to talk about learning how to hold space consciously for another human being move through a fucking two hour tantrum with a three-year-old and see how that, how that will, you know, trigger you into some emotional wounds and spots, but then being able to also hold space for that as you have, have moved through that. Like I can hold space for a lot of people now because of that situation, but 
that's that's a whole nother topic. Really, the discernment is so important because there is a lot of dark magic and entities and that sort of stuff being very much within this space. Honestly, that's more than people would actually think. There's a lot of dark arts and dark magic being perpetuated within the realms of psychedelics that I don't think a lot of people see. I intuitively, luckily, my intuition is very strong and I can really see through a lot, um, but it's very prevalent. And I think it's really important to have that discernment because of that, because that is what takes you to those really, really dark, dark places is through these, what's actually happening within these containers sometimes. Yeah. You know, I think that these things are all around us all the time, right? Like ways in which people use NLP in essentially a dark magic type way. But the difference is at least in a sober state, yeah, you might like, you know, get persuaded to buy something you weren't ready to buy or something like that. But at the end of the day, at least like they're not going to be uh, inhabiting you with negative entities and these kind of things. But again, when you're fully opened up, now you're open. there's like the potential for, yeah, there's so much stuff that can happen. Yeah. And so again, like, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And especially when, again, psychedelics are all of a sudden everywhere, everyone's doing them. You know, it's kind of like people need to understand these things so they can use discernment, right? It doesn't mean you can't try them. It just means like, make sure that if you want to try them, it's actually the right time for you. It's the right container. And that you understand that like, hey, this isn't like alcohol where it's like, how much can I drink to get fucked up? Like psychedelics are not the realm to play that kind of game in because you will get sit down, sat down real quick, like you were saying. <laughs> and I think that like the more we bring awareness to these things, the more that we can start educating people and the more they can start educating other people. You know, I imagine many people listen to this show. You guys are going to be the ones that go educate your friends or your parents or your grandparents or whoever is like, hey, I heard about this microdosing thing. It's like, cool. We'll make sure you're actually taking a real microdose. Make sure that you're, you're combining it with the right things and these kind of things I think is really important. And one of the things I wanted to dive into, like I mentioned in the intro, was this idea of the breath as a psychedelic experience. Mm. I know we covered a little bit of this in Highly Optimized, but I think it's really powerful because, again, what we're saying here is, hey, you don't really need psychedelics to have a psychedelic experience. So I think one of the best ways to do that, if someone's like, I want to, I think I want to try a psychedelic experience, but I don't know if I'm ready yet. Well, practice with the breath first and have that experience because you're releasing DMT and a bunch of stuff you can explain too. But I'd love for you to, you know, riff a little bit on that, you know, the breath as a psychedelic and what your experience has been, not only being a breathwork fanatic yourself, but also being a facilitator for breathwork for hundreds and hundreds of people in hundreds and hundreds of different ceremonies. So could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up. And I just want to add one additional piece to what you were saying on the back end of, of, yeah, what you were just talking about is even in cannabis, like one of the best things you can do even before interacting with us, and I know you do this and we did it last night on our cannabis and breathwork, you know, journey that we had together is blessing the cannabis and also protecting yourself. Like I did a meditation to connect you with the heaven, connect you with the earth and really protective light because there's energies all around. So you're open up even in cannabis state. So really just setting that intention really strong before you interact is really important as well. So just wanted to add that onto there. No, that's beautiful, man. And I was really excited you did that because I've been working with a psychic for the last 12 weeks. And one of the first things we learned was a prayer protection. And mm. I've learned a lot of these through the mystery school too. But this one is more like the one you did last night where you're actually like envisioning your grounding cord coming out of your root chakra. You're cutting that and then you're making a new one, a fresh one. Then you're tucking your aura and you go through all these steps. And I'm actually going to make that into a lead magnet too, because I just got the idea that like, oh, that's a really good thing to put out there to help people be protected, even in the cannabis space. For sure. Again, like it's not only that even with cannabis, which people are like protecting yourself with cannabis. It's like, no, seriously, because, you know, even if you're doing it in your own house, if you're buying from a dispensary, well, the person who grew it could have been in a really anxious state of mind. And yep. when you're interacting with a plant, you're interacting with a level of consciousness and the person's consciousness who grew that plant and cultivated it. And so I think that's really cool too. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And thank you for sharing that as well. Yeah, no, it's really important. So anyways, but to the breath, you know, the breath is, and I'm not going to go over my full story with the breath, but just to kind of like hone things in here in regards to the potential that this, this medicine has your own breath, right? Which is free that, uh, you know, you can tap into. And that's the beautiful thing about it is like, you don't have to fucking go find some cannabis. You don't need to go find this plant or do you can literally just sit in the moment and breathe. 
And that alone is so powerful. And so, you know, since we are speaking to the level of, and this is sort of the foundation of this podcast is psychedelics, we'll talk about it from that perspective. Although I do want to preface the conversation with the, with breath and breath work and conscious breathing being, um, a, a really beautiful doorway to better health, better vitality, clarity of mind, emotional well being, and really just, so many things that it offers on those levels, but strictly from a psychedelic level, which we'll dive into is um, some interesting things that I've found throughout the experiences. I would say that, I mean, if I had to count right now, I don't even know how many different journeys or ceremonies that I've facilitated so far. I mean, it's, it's, it's hundreds. And every time I do it, something new comes up and I love this. I mean, you know, it's funny. I just kind of thinking about this now, I should be writing half of this stuff down and really like creating a book out of it because some of the stuff that people tell me and come up to me, it's almost like a case study in a way because I'm learning more and more about the potential that this, this medicine has. And, you know, myself, even speaking from a facilitation standpoint, I've had experiences where I've been facilitating and I'll go into a full on shamanic DMT experience and I'll be working with the energies of the room from this state of literally being in a higher like a higher octave. Mm. And, you know, so people are having these experiences. Not everybody has a psychedelic experience right away. Some people don't for a while and maybe never do, but some that do, you know, there's a lot that comes through. It's very similar. It can be very visual in the sense where you're getting a lot of colors and sacred geometry. I've had people come up to me and say their ancestors had visited them and provided them messages. I've had people go into past lives and have a past life regression and, and heal parts of themselves that maybe they were hanging on to. So this really has a power of bringing you to ex one exactly where you need to be at any given time and trusting that process, just like it is in medicine that you, you give yourself over to the process that you are still with it and interacting with it, but it is uh, surrendering in a way to what it has to show you. And that's the beautiful thing with the breath work too, is that it will take you to exactly where you need to go if you allow it. So yeah, the, the potential that it has from a psychedelic standpoint, I mean, it's very, very powerful. And yeah, from just the, you know, I guess we were talking about in the last podcast was the secretion of DMT in the lungs and where you hold the most DMT in your body is through the lungs. So you can imagine breathing over an extended period of time, 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes, that is going to produce a lot of, a lot of um, potential DMT for you to have a psychedelic experience. So yeah, it's, it's, um, I feel like we haven't even tapped in fully to what it's doing. And when I speak to that, I speak from an epigenetic perspective and the way our consciousness is influencing our DNA and the way the DNA is being activated through breath work. And, you know, something that turned me on to this was I did a five day dark room experience and it was really intense. And again, that's another story in itself. But at the end of the darkroom experience, you can imagine being in complete pitch black sensory, you know, no, no senses. You can't even hear outside. I was basically in a fucking cave for five days. <laughs> and, you know, before I got out of that, I had the intuition. I got a knock on my door before sunrise because they, they wake you up so you don't have to, you know, get blasted by the sun after being in the dark. They go before the sun's up. So they do that like an hour before the sun comes up so you can integrate. So the guy knocks on the doors. Okay. It's your five days is done. You, know, you come out. And my intuition told me, no, put on your blue light blockers, get your phone out of your bag, go and get one of your instrumental breath tracks and put that on and put on your headphones and do this right now, because something's like, you need to study this on another level. So I did this. This is my first experience just without anything for five days. And I did a three round track that that uh, Johnny and I produced. And I literally saw the fucking light codes of my DNA literally moving around me. I saw my hands were just pure white energy. Like I saw everything that I knew to be true, what was happening on a cellular level to be happening literally visually for me. So it, that experience in itself was like, okay, if this is what I'm doing and providing for other people, then I need to be spreading this medicine to as many fucking people as I possibly can. Because even on the subtilators, whether they're aware of it or not, this is what's happening. Okay. I need to get this out there. Yeah. That's so beautiful, man. And you know, I've had a very similar experience with breath work. I haven't done the, the darkness uh, experience, which I imagine heightens this to an insane level. But I think in the last episode, I talked about the first time that I 
reintegrated using cannabis and breath work after I did some DNA activations through the mystery school Mm -hmm. and things changed dramatically. And so that night, you know, the first round I blasted off so hard. I mean, harder than I had ever blasted off a breath work on any other medicine. And I had gone for it on some other medicines very, very heavily. So I was pretty shocked by this because normally it takes about, you know, five rounds of this, like kind of like more like DMT breathing to get that strong of an effect from anything let alone Mm -hmm. cannabis. And so the second round I did, uh, it was funny, you know, my, uh, my partner and I, Rachel, we interacted with a strain that I have called jelly sickle, which is very high in terpinaline, very energizing strain. And I just got into the super flow and I got the download do breath work right now. So I sit down, I do that round. I'm like, do you want to do it? She's like, no, she's a Taurus, you know, I'm an Aries. So I'm always like on fire. And she's like, I just want to be chill. So I do this first round and I'm like, oh my God, and I'm selling it good. So she's like, okay, I'll do a round with you. So we sit down on meditation cushions facing each other and I do the 15 breaths. And on the 15th one, I breathe in, I sit, I swallow, I squeeze, not even super hard, just boom, let it go. And as everything is starting to like closing, because you know, like when you do the squeeze and you let go, a lot of people were like, did it work? And then boom, then it hits. So like, I'm used to that now. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden everything starts to get pixelated And then all of a sudden it just goes like that. And the second it went like that, everything turned black except Rachel's outline was pure white. And as that happened, I went, whoa. And as I said, whoa, I fell backwards off my cushion and everything went back to normal. And I was like, what was that? And so essentially what I did was I saw her light body. And so when you say that, I had a very similar experience. So I know that's possible. Mm. And it's so fascinating because... Now, when I do breath work, like every experience I've had with breath work on a medicine has now somehow, I don't know how it's integrated, probably because I believe now that you can go there with it. I think the belief, right? Epigenetics is a big part of it. 100%. I think that believing that like breath work can do these things will give you a lot. If you go into it, like this isn't going to do anything. Guess what? You just spell cast yourself into it doing nothing. Yep. But if you start believing like, oh, this can actually do these things and just stay curious, right? Again, discernment, right? For anyone listening, just go, okay. I'll try this out for me and see what happens. Just completely sober. So you try this breath work. And then every morning now, when I go out, I think I mentioned this in highly optimized, I can barely get through two rounds before I'm like visibly shook, not in like a traumatizing type way, but just like, I got what I needed. I'm good. Because sometimes I come back. There was an experience I had last summer where I was on my deck and I usually do breath work like around six 37 in the morning. So the sun's up, but it's not super up. So where I live the sun's rising through the trees. And so uh, I have a, I had a school behind me, you know, usually like it was summer. So there was no kids out there. So I do this round of breath work and uh, I, I blast off. I do my hold squeeze. And then all of a sudden I have this feeling that there's tons of kids sitting in a circle watching me. And I remember this feeling of just like, Oh my God, I look so stupid right now. Like, and then all of a sudden I came back and obviously no one's there. And I was like, what was that? But when you're in those realms and you have that minute moment, you can like live whole other lives. Like I've had experiences where I've blasted off on breath work completely sober and like all of a sudden seeing myself writing a book or like living a different life. And it's like, I know it so well for that microsecond. Like it's like everything to me. And then I mm-hmm. come back and all of a sudden it just integrates out and fades away. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'm trying to grab onto it. And that's what makes me be like, I got to hop back in front of the round. And of course, you really never remember exactly what was going on, but you know, you had the experience. And I think that's what really matters more than anything. 100%, man. Yeah. And everything you just, just described, like I love, I love hearing the stories that people have. You know, it's always so interesting to hear what, what people have experienced. And yeah, you know, these are just tools that point us back to our, our, our true self. Mm. The self that is beyond the mind, that is beyond the stories, beyond the limitations, beyond the patterns, you know, it's just a way to connect with the deeper parts of the, that question of who am I? Right. And so, you know, amongst many other things as well. So, you know, that's why there's such a deep passion around it because of my own experiences, but then also to see the experiences of others and people feel that connection really for the first time sometimes. And what that can do, I mean, the messages I've received from people saying I've been dealing with depression for so long. I mean, I used to receive a couple of messages after our workshop last night, you know, someone saying I've been going through a tough time in my marriage. You know, it's been a really hard time. And last night really opened me up to see a new perspective. And I'm really feel like I'm at a different, deep, deeper place of acceptance and healing. You know, so like there's, there's so much that 
is there in that experience. And so that's why, you know, again, I'm fucking stoked to be collaborating with you and bringing this together because the way we do it in our own unique and original ways of facilitating our crafts and our art, and then bringing those, those two medicines together, cannabis and breathwork and the way we do it. I mean, dude, there's just so much fucking potential here. And that's why I'm just like feeling like so elated to have, to really have aligned with you and, and create this stuff because I do see the the vast potential that this, that this carries both these medicines together. Yeah. You know, it's so powerful because you know what that individual was telling you last night, right? Like that is worth more than money, you know? And again, we've been trained to think that money is like this thing, right? You get money and all your problems will be solved. It's not experience actually leads to like being able to be healed and these kind of things. But having that type of experience, all of a sudden, if you have that release of, you know, anxiety or depression or whatever, and you start to, you know, it's usually not like, oh, I did it once and I'm totally fine. But you gain an awareness that healing is possible. Just that possibility and that like imagination and that belief. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can take that and run with it and it can change your entire life. And that's why I'm so fired up about the collaborations we're doing, because it's a great way to be able to help people learn how to heal themselves. And then they tell two friends and they tell two friends like the Wayne's world moment, you know, (laughs) and they tell two friends. And so it's really cool because, you know, I think that we all get to be a part of the change that we want to see in the world where I think that right now we're used to, you know, externalizing our power. You know, my dad always said, you know, money can't buy happiness, but it can rent the shit out of it, you know, and it's true. Mm. But again, what happens when the pandemic happens or what happens when you're in a darkness room and you don't have any of that ability to distract yourself, you get to sit with yourself. And if you actually understand like, Hey, if I have something come up to me, that's undesirable, I can change that. I believe that I can change it. Well, I think that if you have that experience and then you start believing that your whole world will shift because again, your experience of life is created from belief structures and your belief structures were originally created from some type of imagination. And I think that the more we can tap into imagination, change those belief structures, we get an experience of life that's completely different and on what we want to be in life, not what we're told life is. And that's so powerful. You said it best, man. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. And yeah, yeah, this, we're barely scratching the surface right now. And I think at the end of the day, for me, when I really tune into why I do what I do, and that's the, I think that's one thing I could leave, you know, this conversation from is like, okay, if you really like, for me, it's like all these different things. Like I'm not just, I, I used to, my identity was wrapped around the breath alchemist. That was my Instagram handle and all of that. And so I'm like, oh, the breath alchemist, you know, it's a cool name and all that. And, you know, like breath work is one of those beautiful tools that I have in my toolbox. It's not the only one that I use for transformation. But what I will say is the reason I do what I do specifically as a breathwork facilitator for specifically as creating the, the art that I create is because these messages from other people and to see other people's experiences of feeling just peace for the first time or, or an epiphany for the first time, or, or just feeling lighter and free. And the messages are, I mean, I've had, I've cried, you know, from people's messages, just like seeing this is so incredible. So, you know, that is the why behind all of this for me. And I know it is for you. And I think that's also why we created a really powerful fucking team to bring this to there because our intentions are aligned in that way from the heart, which is, you know, all you can really ask for at the end of the day. 100%, man. I will take nail in the head for 500, please. <laughs> well, Chris, man, this has been amazing, dude. I can't wait to dive back in with you. I feel so grateful we got to spend so much time together today on both the shows. And I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you, where they can find any upcoming, you know, things you're hosting. I know you have a 40 day breathwork challenge. You have the podcast. You have lots of different things you're doing. So tell the people where they can find that and also what might be going on soon that they'd want to know about. Yeah, definitely. So basically everything can be found at a main hub on my, I have many websites for all the different projects I have going on, but like my main hub is my website, ChristopherAugust.co. On there, you'll find links to Masculine Mastery, which is one of my brands where I help and facilitate men's immersions, uh, retreats, workshops, uh, coaching programs, all that stuff. I have a podcast called Masculine Mastery. So all that's on my website as well. And then the breath work end beats and breath is my other brand that's beatsandbreath.com. And that's where you would be able to find the 40 day um, experience that I, that I run my next one, which I don't know if the podcast will be out in this time is next Sunday, August 28th, but I update it to when the next ones are. And then if you just want to dive in right away, you can get a free download right on beatsandbreath.com. 
a free breathwork track that you can start your day with. We call it the Beats and Breath Daily. There's a 15-minute version and a 25-minute version. And then also we have a an album called Soul Rise, which is our signature, you know, do it your own experience. We call it a digital album. I don't know what else to call it, but it's more like an experience. There's five 33-minute breathwork journeys. They correlate with each of the elements. There's a sound healing journey and there's an energy protection meditation as well on that. Um, and so that's a fucking incredible experience where you can just put on your headphones and there's guidance on how to journey with each of the tracks and all of that. So yeah, that's a whole, whole thing in itself. So yeah, beatsandbreath.com. You can find all the breathwork stuff and then my website, christopheraugus.co and, uh, what else? Instagram. If you want to connect with me there, it's Christopher underscore August. Beautiful, man. And my last question for you, Chris, is this. Say someone listens to this conversation and they're interested in exploring psychedelic medicines in their own life. What is the one piece of advice that Christopher August would suggest to them to be able to allow them to use the proper discernment in choosing whether these medicines are right for them and their experience of life? Mm. Well, I think we offered a lot today between the both of us is this like whether it's right for you or not. And I think like even from a true experiential thing from the test that you, you know, you gave about inquiring with your soul and the kinesiology approach to that. And then also just really, um, getting in more present with, with yourself and with your life. And as you get more present through the breath as that sort of bridge to presence, really just finding that deeper level of intuition to where it's, where it's meant to point you into what direction and then, and then going in that direction and experiencing for what it is, but bringing consciousness and awareness to whatever you do choose, bringing intention. What is my intention? What is, and what I was saying, what is my why for doing what I'm doing in this moment? What is my why? Why am I doing this? And through that, why you connect to a bigger purpose. And it's through that bigger purpose, then it lends to the experience that you're designed to have in a very conscious and aware way. So that's, that's what I can offer to, yeah, mm, back to, very back sound to advice. <laughs> All righty, guys, Chris and I met recently and immediately hit it off. I was so impressed when I saw what he does and the devotion he has to his work and clients. And when I meet people like Chris, it helps remind me of why I do what I do and the importance of all of us exploring our unique gifts that we can share with the world at large to create healing on a global level. For any of you who are looking to buy the ticket and take the ride into Chris's world and benefit from the vast amount of knowledge and wisdom he has surrounding men's work, breath work, and leadership, I will be listing all of the best ways to get in touch with him in the show notes for each of you to check out and take action on right away. Chris, thank you so much for continuing to charge my battery and the batteries of those you serve in the world for sharing your time and energy with the listeners and me on the show today and for igniting the spark of inspiration within me that I love so much. And until next time, my brother, may your journey be smooth and full of light. Aho.